Hey everybody, welcome to episode 115 of For the Love of Guns. This is the podcast about the people, the products, and the priorities of the firearms culture. Thanks for joining Team Banch today as we welcome Eric Pedersen from one of my favorite companies, Crimson Trace. I really think you're going to like this interview. He's a great guy, really knows his stuff. But before we talk to Eric, it is time to pay the bills and this episode is brought to you by Falco holsters. Man, if you are in the market for a really quality holster, check out Falco. These are the holsters that I use, man. I love that they're handmade, handcrafted, and let's face it, there's nothing like the smell of a leather holster. These things are super great. Go check them out because they can make it a holster for any gun, every budget, without sacrificing quality. And if you use the checkout code BANSHEE, you'll save 10%. This episode is also brought to you by Ammo Squared. Ammo Squared is really rethinking how we buy ammo. I mean, yes, you can buy ammo online, but what if you want to store that ammo somewhere safe? They have a really nice building that they store that ammo in, and it's insured while it's there. Because let's face it, if you have your ammo all in one place, what happens? Like, I had a flood here in the studio. Fortunately, my ammo was good, didn't have too much damage to the firearms, but what if that had just filled the room? Keep your ammo off-site and get it shipped whenever you need it. Go check out Ammo Squared. I have a link down below. Now with the bills paid, let's talk to Eric. Eric, tell me about your love of guns. I'm Eric Pedersen with Crimson Trace. I'm the Director of Brand Management responsible for all of our marketing efforts. Now, Eric, you've been a, an employee of Crimson Trace for a while. We were talking a little bit offline. We got talking at SHOT. Um, this is not like a new thing for you. I mean, you kind of have been living Crimson Trace for a while. That's very true. Um, I've been with the company for a little over nine years. I started out as uh, director of engineering, moved, had an opportunity to move into an operations role and ran the factory for a while. And then when we uh, made some more changes this past fall, got the opportunity to move into a marketing role. Wait, so I mean, it's it's so funny. You think about going into engineering. So you're, you were in the, in the spot of like coming up with the new products. Like you've been like all over the place. You went from coming up with new products to now making the products to now let's get the products out in front of everybody. That's, yeah, that's it's, awesome. It, it's been a lot of fun for me personally. And, you know, in the end, I think it's it's beneficial to to the company and the, the brand itself, just having that background and experience across all those different areas. You know, it's not, uh, uh, it gives me the visibility and the input, you know, throughout the, uh, throughout the company and the brand. And, you know, I have awareness of, of issues or whether it's a customer issue or a design issue that um, maybe somebody who's uh, coming into this role from the pure marketing standpoint would, wouldn't have. Well, and then on top of that, you're a shooter and a hunter. So, you know, it's kind of nice to get that full circle because you're actually out using the products that, oh. you know, either you've helped engineer, manufacture or market. So now you kind of, You've got the, you're kind of got this, this whole, um, 
yeah, this uh, this whole picture of your product line that it's just like you're going to go out hunting and then you're going to beat a scope up and you're going to know you're, you're going to know yeah, what's going I know on. exactly my likes and dislikes and uh, what works and doesn't. Uh, not only Crimson Trace but all the other AOB brands are pretty much my life. Whether it's camping, fishing, hunting, shooting. Uh, you name it. Yeah, you're kind So it's, that's, that's, it's a great company to work for for me. Uh, I was saying, because you, you can go anywhere from knives to, um, you know, you go knives to shooting steel to reloading to fixing to uh, hanging stuff on a wall. I mean, you, you it's it's got to be like kind of like being a kid in a candy store, right? It can be at times. We do a lot, but. You know, there's definitely the moments, whether you're uh, standing on the line at the Bianchi Cup or out on a hunt, um, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's funny because, um, um, you know, because I know some I know some of the people on the other brands and, uh, you know, talking to uh, Trent, you know, he was he went to the Bianchi Cup. And I'm like, oh, you were going you were hanging out with Julie Gallo because, yeah, I was talking to her for a little bit at one of the stages. So that's got to be really cool, too. It is. Uh, you get to meet a lot of the people you, you know, most people see on, you know, social media or, or on YouTube or something. And, you know, they, uh, they're actually getting instruction from these people through those avenues and, and uh, identifying with them. And no, we get a chance to, to cross paths and talk to uh, a number of different uh, folks. It's a lot. Of, it's a great, great experience. It really is. Now, the one thing that probably uh, I was I was talking to you before we started recording, and you know, I was saying that uh, the thing that most of us that have been around for a little bit longer knows, you know, knows your product line because of lasers. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're going to talk about other things because it's definitely grown way out of hey, we're just making these lasers that you attach or they're built into grips or or even uh, manufacturers start building into guns. Um, talk a little bit about the lasers. We'll, we'll warm up with some of the lasers for those of us that are are uh, fond of laser. Because when I was a gun dealer, really when I sold a laser, the only thing I sold was Crimson Trace because I just knew that they worked. And I knew that I wasn't going to have, you know, a customer that was going to be upset with buying, a, a, in, you know, basically an inferior product that you can get you know, from, from China or, you know, no quality control or what they say, was it a um, fourth shift, um, basically the AL product theft. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but talk a little bit about the, about the lasers and I'll bring that up here real quick on the webpage here. Yeah. So laser sites are what the brand was built on. Um, started back in 1994 and uh, really, really with the, the shooter in mind and and the folks who are interested in personal and home protection. So we believe uh, from the beginning that laser sites give you the uh, the best comprehensive aiming solution uh, on any any of those types of firearms. The uh, premise being, we really stress people. Learn how to operate their firearms, 
trust their their iron sights and their fundamentals practice train practice some more and really understand their gun things fail uh, especially in the electronics world iron sights even fall off you know and, and move uh, during the course of shooting so you know there's any number of things that can go wrong in critical situations and you want to be prepared so uh really stressing the fundamentals at the same time we really believe laser sights are the are the best aiming solution out there for folks uh, and well, and that's the that's the thing about working on fundamentals if fundamentals are always there when you're in a stressful situation we don't resort to our highest mastery of a of a of something we resort to our lowest mastery of something right. so you know we're always fighting that, you know, your heart rate's up and, and things like that. Yes, I know how to aim my sight, but if I have to defend my life, my heart, you know, I'm going to go from resting heart rate to 140 really quick. At that time, you know, you start getting some tunnel vision. That's where a laser can actually help you because now you're, you're not thinking, you know, grip, you know, grab my gun, grip alignment, front sight alignment, stuff like that. And shoot. I just grab my gun, get a good grip. And then where the dot goes, that's, that's where it is. So you're actually kind of aiding people through a stressful situation at that point. Yeah. I, I mean, milliseconds matter, right? In yeah. scenarios like that. And any advantage you can take um, gives you, sets you up for success in the long run. So whether it's, uh, you know, your, like you mentioned, your heart rate, your tunnel vision, it could be uh, an, less than optimal shooting position. Um, yeah. It could be any number of things where that laser really helps you because that's essentially if you've got it sighted in and you've practiced with it, where that dot lands is where the bullet's going to go. Yeah. I, and that's, that's what was really, that's why when I was choosing products to sell to people, that's why I was looking for the, you know, the best of the breed. And that's where, you know, that's where Crimson Trace came in. Cause that was, you know, it, if if we had a pick rail, we could have a pick rail. Or you had the trigger guard lasers that came out, or you know the grip laser. It, it's there was a product for everybody, depending mm -hmm. on what it is. Because sometimes, let, let's face it, we're carrying you know holsters. You know, a trigger guard laser may not work in that situation, but a grip laser will, right. unless you have a specific holster with that you know with that trigger guard laser, which there are some out there, but. If you don't want to change out your your you know your your holster, well, okay, then we got a grip laser, and that's not going to really change out your holster because then it's just you know uh, right here is where your laser is, right where you know the meat of your hand is anyway. Right. And that you know that's certainly dependent on the firearm itself, how conducive sure. it is, um, different aspects. Um, Glock owners are very particular about their their grips, right? Anytime yes. you're you're adding anything to that, it changes the grip a little bit. So you might you might not be comfortable with that, and that might even though you could, a better solution might be a, a like a trigger guard laser for that. Um, but yeah, it it really depends on the firearm, depends on the style. We have we have a couple guns that we offer both, and and it's really comes down to personal preference but that's all where the the brand was founded you know between the glocks and the uh, probably better known as the 1911 grips 
Uh, yeah, they're exactly in that category you're describing, where they don't don't affect the holster, um, and you can you. It's so easy to change them out with a couple screws. Yeah, yeah, and then you know later on you start coming out with you know because now we got our gun you know, our, our handguns taken care of. Now you start coming out with like the the laser side saddles for the shotguns, mm -hmm. which I mean is a great idea because now. Not everybody's going to have a handgun for home defense, or even if you're law enforcement, you still have a shotgun in the rack. Well, most of them have ARs now, but some, some still carry shotguns or even both. So now I have something that can just go right onto my shotgun. And now I have that same advantage with a bigger gun. And even more so on a firearm that's really not built to be sighted. You know, you're, you're, yeah. Your long guns and things like that are, are fine where you can shoulder them, but with the advent of the, the shockwave was really the gun that yeah. made that stand out, right? You're not going to want yep. to put that thing up in front of your face and I, sight, sight down the bead. I, I, so I have a story about that because um, <laughs> back when my father was still alive, we were, we were still, I was living on the East Coast, and uh, we went to go view uh, like a new range where, you know, we're like, do we want to go to this range? And, uh, you know, we're looking behind the bulletproof glass and the firing line, and someone pulls a shockwave out and goes like this. And we're, like, banging on the glass, <laughs> right? I mean, people are shooting guns. He's not going to hear us, right? Because he's got his hearing protection guns are going off. And uh, we, we decided that that probably wasn't the range we wanted to go to because the RO was not paying attention. Um but yeah, you you do not want to take a, a shockwave and put that. It, it's it's not going to end well. That ended with yeah. uh, a couple of missing teeth for that guy. So yeah, you want you're you're going to want to keep that thing away from you. But even then, because you're not shouldering it, now you kind of have more pivot points and stuff like that. Whereas so what a laser will help you. than a laser. And yeah, that's, that's the perfect example for the value of a laser sight. And you could you could go down the list back to pistols, you know the the original LCPs, the bodyguards, uh, yeah, some of those where they just didn't have that great of iron sights and they were point they were point and shoot guns. Yeah, I mean yeah. Let's say, they they have sights just for because you got to have sight, but they're not right. really sights. Right. Yeah. So going back to the original point, the bullet's going to go where where the laser dot is. So. Um, you know, it's the perfect solution in that regard. And then uh, it was so funny to see, you know, I, I think of the old, the older lasers, you know, they have red now green, you know, the green is like the thing mm -hmm. that to have. And then um, it's so funny to see where our preferences change. Um, you know, sometimes green's a little easier for people to see than the red, um, mm -hmm. depending on the lighting conditions, depending on a, a lot of other factors, but really you can now choose. Like I want this, I want this grip, and you can pretty much choose red or red or green lasers now. Yeah, when when green first came out and became available, one it was big and bulky. You had extra circuitry, you had larger designs that got refined, but then there was still this pretty significant cost differential uh, between the two. So prices were a lot higher for the the green models. Um, that gap has really narrowed. You know, over the last several years, and the designs are um, you're getting 
laser diode packages that are in the, you know, the same dimensions as the red now. So you can have that nice, slim, sleek um, laser guard or trigger guard laser type module that um, works either way, red or green. And there's, you know, there's scientific proof that says green is, is uh, more visible to the human eye, you know, on the spectrum. But um, again, it's personal preference and yep. the reality is everybody's different. And some people just do see one well, better than the other. It's funny because I had a customer that insisted on green and, you know, and like you were saying, green was more expensive. It was bulkier. This is, this was a while back. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I'm like, I understand, you know, green's the new hotness, right? But uh, you could save a little bit of money going to a red one. Not that I don't want you to, you know, I want to talk you out of the green. And he goes, you know, um, one of the problems I have is that red, that wavelength of red, because I'm colorblind too. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see it. And I was like, it, it never dawned on me that it, you could actually have someone that's colorblind that couldn't see the red. Yeah. Um, he goes, I can see the green, so now I can carry a laser. I never could have a laser before. Because now with the green lasers, so I, I'm set. And I'm like, I, I you know, it, it's amazing the stuff that you run into when you're in the industry that you just never thought of before. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you're trying to pick up a laser through the glass of a red dot site or a scope, yes. depending on the coatings, uh, some of your safety glasses, depending on the coatings, it affect it can affect that as well. Well, if anything, uh, and we're going to switch to uh, now what we're talking about, uh, we're going to we're also switch over to red dot here in a minute. But even then, with you know, I like the I like the laser foresight my 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 you know my red dots and all my all all of my you know optics and stuff. And uh, like if I'm running a red dot, it's really nice to have a green laser because you know when you start mixing those dots up, mm -hmm. you don't know which one is going on. Um, which is really cool. You can go into a different laser with things. Yeah. Um, even with like the little laser dry fire cartridges are now coming out in green. Um, so that way you can start seeing your shots a little bit better. Yeah, I, uh, you know, being in the marketing side, I've, I have a pistol where I've got, it's kind of a Frankenstein. It's got a red dot. It's got a laser grip. It's got a laser guard. You know, it's it's built out with everything. And I'll show it to people and people will pick it up. <laughs> it's funny walking, <laughs> try to figure out which dot they're looking at and, you know, which site, but I have to walk them through that. So that's funny. Um, let's bring up, let's, let's talk a little bit about red dots. Cause yeah. I'll tell you that the one thing, um, and I've got one, two, three, four, I got five guns behind me that will, that I'll show up. Um, red dots are kind of a thing now, right? I mean, we're now yeah. putting red dots. We're putting red dots on like everything now. And um, like for me, and I'll start off uh, on my AR. Um, and yes, I, lo I, I love your red dots because every single one of these is, is a Crimson Trace. So this is, a, a, this is a, the Rad Max. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, it's on, it's on my AR. I love the design of this because I'm hard on everything. And this thing is just kind of a beefy design. Um, I also have it on a on a uh, co-witness mount from you guys because sometimes I'll have the front sight on there mm -hmm. and the rear sight just in case this goes down because this is this one's actually uh, my competition rifle. Um, and I love 
I love the red dot designs that you guys are coming out with because, um, I mean, if I go into like the the twelve the CT twelve fifty, it's great. This is my competition pistol, but for me, I just kind of like the beefiness of it, just because I know I'm gonna bang I'm gonna mm-hmm. bang this thing around. Yeah. No, they're really engineered to withstand all of that. Um, our design group, our designers for CT, they're all they're all participants in the industry too. So they're they're shooters. We have you know former competitive shooters on staff who are designing these. They know what they're doing and they know what they want and they know the they know the abuses these things go through. So they really, I mean, it's a daily daily thing yeah. for them to be looking at this and doing the analysis and they they come out they look cool too that rad series yeah. is really well done it's it is. Uh, got a little bit more of a modern styling to it you know rather yep. than the rounded edges and it's a little a little more distinctive um and they, they function and work great all at the same time and that rad max that that thing's my my favorite rad out there the window yeah. on that is it's huge it's great yeah, it's, yeah it is huge you get a great field of view um out of that thing um it's funny because you know when i did a, i did a video on well uh everything but one uh one of these red dots i've done a video the one, one uh i have a video that i'll be filming and when fire season ends and i can get up to the woods to go shooting <laughs> um the uh the one thing I did is I would go, uh, the one range I, I was shooting at at the time, uh, it's about about a half hour south of me on I-15 here in Montana. And uh, I'd go, I would go out to the range and I would sight the red dot in and, you know, do some shooting. And then I would take, <laughs> I would take that AR and I'd throw it in my trunk. And I'd go. I'd leave the range and continue going down I-15. It goes through the Deer Lodge National Forest. There's a lot of switchback turns, and back then the, the speed limit was 80 miles an hour. They slowed it to 70 now. Um, so I would, you know, I'd hit these switchback turns, and let's face it, at 80 miles an hour, we're going a little bit faster. Um, and you hear thud, thud, moving around, thud, right? Is it going? That rifle is just getting bounced around, and and no, it was not in a in a case or anything it was just thrown in there um and then of course i get down um turn around and come back through the switchback turns you hear that thing thudding back and forth and they get to the range and what the thing i was always impressed was is after all that banging around the thing was still zeroed mm-hmm. i mean there was a good design to these things that they held their zeros yeah yeah they a lot of time and effort sweat and tears have gone into that but they're there. Well, so since you used to be one of the, the product engineers, talk talk a little bit about, you know, I mean, when you come up with a new design, what, what goes into it? Because we just think, okay, oh, Crimson Trace came out with a new red dot. I'm going to, I'm going to buy it and put it on, but they don't think about all the thought processes that goes into a new product. No, we, uh, you know, we come at it from a, several different ways. Uh, one, all of us are embedded in in what we do, so we come up with the ideas on our own. We hear from customers, we hear from comments on social media, through our customer service department, requests or comments, you should do this. 
we have a number of folks, whether ambassadors and influencers in the business that will will feed us some some suggestions. And one of the cool things about AOB is we have an innovation board. So throughout the year, anybody can walk up on the board and put an idea on it, regardless of brand. Um, anything they have a passion for or see an interest in, or maybe they had somebody else's product and it it doesn't work right, or they need want something different. Uh, they'll throw it on the board and we review those periodically, and that helps our, our uh, ideation for new products as well. So that's that's a very cool thing that the company does. So, I, I was, so basically, you know, it helps you build a better bounce trap. Absolutely. And it could be ideating on, you know, in, improving something that's out there, or it could be completely new. That you see, that's really cool. I love, I love where companies involve people into a process, right? Because, yeah. because, I mean, let's face it, people, you know, I, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this, and then somebody comes in and goes, "What if?" And then now things just change, magically change. You get those blinders that come off. And it's like, well, well, I didn't think about that before. Well, now, here, now we can come out with a better product, yeah. and that's I, I love companies that that work through that and listen to their employees and go, hey, let's let's see what we can do with this. Yeah, and you don't have to be in design engineering to come up with these ideas. I mean, you could be, you could work in the accounting department or the purchasing group or you know wherever it might be and still have an impact on the company like that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's 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 a really neat thing at at AOB. It's a fun process. Now, I'm going to bring up uh, I'm going to bring up the red dots page here. Okay. So, we have the rad series which we've been talking about. Uh new, relatively new is the HROs that came out. Talk to me a little bit about the the heavy recoil. Uh, sure. Why why did we decide to to come up with a completely different product for that? Well, um, by the way, that's it's my favorite red dot that we carry. Uh, this this thing is uh, just built to take a beating, and uh, it just looks it looks it really looks, cool. Uh, it, it looks like something right out of um, out of like Halo. Right. I mean, yeah. something really science, science, you know, science I, you know, I don't know if it had any origins there, but um, you're I, I think you're on to something there. But yeah, <laughs> it's it's a closed red dot. So in any kind of adverse conditions, you're not you're not worried about dust and dirt and water and all that kind of stuff. It's IPX7. So it'll take okay. it'll it's waterproof um, and it's. It's just built to be a beast. So you see it on the scar in the in the pictures there. Um, we've put this thing through um, M249 Bravo, you know, thousands of rounds. <laughs> You're not messing Bravo. around with that. Um, you know, 12 gauge, any number of 12 gauge platforms, um, 308s, AR10s. It's just it's just built to take a beating. And it's it's really cool. It's got the external battery, um, so you don't have to take it off the gun or anything like that. And the battery life is fifty thousand hours. Wow! So wow! 
you're never even going to need to change the battery anyways. Yeah. It's funny because you, you know, I remember seeing the, the HR because uh, like that Rad Max, the, the 1400, um, mm -hmm. those, when I did the testing on those, uh, I started off with 223, um, which I mean, you know, why, why not, you know, throw it on an AR. Um, they went from the two, from the 223 to my 308 AR, actually um, the 1400s on my 308 AR right now. Mm -hmm. Um, this rifle, because it's a 16 inch barrel, if you have a product that's going to fail, this rifle finds it. Um, because the, the impulse of that rifle being 16 inch, uh, and you know, the, the, and I'll put a different break than that one on there. You know, I'll have a break on it. It just shakes everything up. And I was so surprised. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was surprised when I got a red dot onto that rifle that actually lasted. And then you guys came out with the HRO. I'm like, oh, that would have been perfect. But then <laughs> these um, these red dots also came off of that 308 and they went on to my Benelli uh, M2. So, you know, I went through the Benelli M2 with some pretty hopped up slug rounds that I, I loaded up. And, um, and, Thinking now that you're talking about putting on, you know, putting that onto the um, the um, with the uh, M42 Bravo, you're talking about a lot of pounding, oh, way yeah. more than I'm, way more than what I'm doing. I mean, you know, on that 308, it's eventually gonna, it's eventually the pounding's eventually gonna end after 20 rounds. Why I throw another mag in? That yep. thing is just gonna keep pounding, pounding, <laughs> just over and over and over. Yeah, and we have. Um... We have some test systems in-house that we uh, set up over the last couple of years to really do a lot of that testing for us. These shock tower type systems that are designed to simulate uh, recoil profiles. And we can tune it to virtually anything um, from a I don't know, 308 to a 223 to a 375 H&H, &H, I mean, whatever it might be. Uh, we can tune those profiles and test to them. And the nice thing is you can start that profile, you can go to lunch and come back and have a lifetime's worth of recoil testing done. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, that that's really cool. Cause I mean, we, I, I've had people that are like, well, why do I want to spend this much money on a red dot? When I can go on to Amazon and get a $50 red dot. It's like, well, because you're going to get a fifty dollar red dot on Amazon. Exactly. Right? I mean, you, you get I mean, what that, you pay for. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's going to be great for like your kids, twenty two. Yeah. Uh, maybe an airsoft air gun. Um, uh, I caught I caught some crap in uh, one of my videos. I was testing a uh, nine millimeter upper. It was basically a pistol uh, with no uh, buffer tube off the back, and. Um, when I launched the video, I got a lot of what's what's up with the airsoft red dot, and um, it was funny because I was like, because my other red dots were currently being used for other projects, and I just I wasn't going to have to rezero this thing for for a nine millimeter upper with you know the whole thing's this big and it's not going to be, I mean it's accurate enough, it's just not going to be high accuracy unless like. 
Yeah, it's. I'm sorry, man. It's going to be the NC Star, and if that thing breaks, <laughs> I really don't care at that point, right? And it's really interesting, you know, through the process. Every gun, every style of gun, whether it's a bolt gun or, uh, you know, a gas gun or whatever it might be, has a different profile, a different recoil profile, and. It takes a lot of work to try to understand all those. So the companies that do it well, you know, put a lot of time and effort into figuring that out and, you know, building, end up building products that, that can withstand it all. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is now, you know, we've been talking about rifles um, and I had this conversation. I, I forget who I was having this conversation with, but now, you know, we're putting red dots on pistols. Like this is mm -hmm. a, uh, my P320X5. Um, the thing was, you know, back in the day, we used to have like basically a bridge that would come up. The red dot would stay still. Now mm -hmm. we're mounting red dots to slides where we're getting a very violent, you know, stoppage of the slide when it comes all the way to the rear before it goes forward and slams forward. So now we yeah. have all these, the shaking and then, and then you get people like me that get lazy and rack off the, the red yeah. dot. Um, and yeah, I got to clean my red dot because you can just see nothing <laughs> on it. Um, but now we're, you know, we're dealing with these pistols where everything is mounted on a slide. I mean, this is the, um, this is the, the, the rad, um, the rad micro pro mm -hmm. um, where we have all these forces going on other than it's on our hip and we're banging our guns into either a desk or, you know, whatever happens, um, you know, we're getting into a car and then we're putting a seatbelt on and we're banging into our guns, you know, doing that because we're not paying attention. We have a lot of, we have a lot of stuff going on to these red dots. These yeah. things are really, I mean, you know, the, the micro red dots are, they're small, um, but yet they're still taking the same pounding as, you know, like the, you know, the, the 1400 there. Yeah, they've they've really come a long ways, and you you kind of hit it on the on the head there with um, the number of forces that the every, everyday person doesn't think of are occurring on these things. Um, different directions, different velocities, different different everything, and you can design say say you designed a one direction or one aspect it could still fail at a much lower level for, for a different characteristic because you were so focused on that one. So yeah. it really, you've got to get out there and test and test um, in real world scenarios. You mentioned, you know, putting your seatbelt on and bumping it or racking it, you know, by racking the slide by grabbing the sight. Those are all things people will do. And yeah. And if you don't account for it, you know, they, they will fail at some point, but uh, yeah, they've, they've come a long ways. Uh, you know, a lot of guys, you still see failures because the guns are what they are. There's this little explosion going off every time you pull the trigger and <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of force there. Um, and, you know, you see a lot of the competition guys running the, uh, the mounts, where the optics are not mounted directly to the slide to accommodate some of that um, to get around the abuse. Um, 
but yeah, they're they have come a long ways in the last couple of years, and that's I mean, I think that's really why we're seeing such a growth in those is they've been able to go from that kind of bargain basement. Oh yeah, they're a neat novelty. They'll break, but it's fun or whatever. Right. To an actual tool you can rely on. And that's and that's the thing is is that, you know, I'm glad you said tool because, you know, first of all, the the pistol's a tool as it is, right? Now we're we're adding a tool to a tool, mm -hmm. right? To make sure that we have the, you know, the most amount of um, survivability because <laughs> there's a reason why we're carrying a firearm. Um, and then we're going to, we're going to want to have the maximum amount of reliability in this whole package. So, you know, that's what I think. And, and just the reliability of that is, is huge because we're now talking about smaller and smaller electronics where, you know, it's so weird how we like we want big guns, then we want small guns, then we want big guns, and we keep on going back and forth. The the forces that a micro versus you know this this twelve fifty are um, can be different. Oh, you know this this is a smaller package than this, so you have a little bit more fudge room to to deal with forces in something a little bit larger than than that. Yep, and you're you've got different. Uh... You know, the full size has a, a higher mass in the slide, which absorbs yep. more of the uh, the recoil force and doesn't transmit it to the site, whereas the micro is just the opposite. Uh, so um, even even some of the smaller calibers, you know, a 380 or a nine millimeter might appear like it should be easy to manage, but that's not always the case. Because well, that's, well, you know, now we think about that, there are, there's a thing about gun design, right? And not all guns shoot the same. Not all guns handle recoil the same. You know, I've, I've shot a 10 millimeter 1911 that I swore I was shooting a nine millimeter. Mm -hmm. And then you pick up somebody else's 10 millimeter, nine mil, uh, 10 mil, 10 millimeter, nine millimeter, 10 millimeter 1911. And that thing is just beating the snot out of you. So, and you have no idea what I'm going to mount that product on, you know? So, so being able to, to have something as nice as, you know, a red dot that is just going to take that pounding regardless of what I put on it. That's why, you know, that, that's why we buy, we spend money on our tools, right? Right. Um, we want them to be reliable and we have no idea what we're going to put it on. Um, where, you know, I've, and we're, we'll move on to, to rifle scopes in a little bit. Like when I was an FFL, I had an Amazon company, right? Like we want to send, actually it was an eBay company. <laughs> um, <laughs> we want to send you a free scope. Okay. And, uh, we just want you to tell us what you think. I'm like, yeah, I, I've got my scope companies that I deal with. I'm not interested in your product. We're going to send it to you for free. Just tell us. I mean, um, I actually have a video that I did because, again, my my all my glass on other pro on other products were were being used, so I had no choice. And I call this I call this my CAC, C A C, and what CAC stands for is cheap ass Chinese. <laughs> um, and the right the scope actually failed when I was 
when I was doing product testing, um, oddly enough on that 308. <laughs> um, and, but that's why, you know, that was, a, you know, at the time a $50 scope. That's exactly what it was, a $50 scope. It's not, it's not going to take, it, it didn't take the pounding of just the recoil of a rifle. So we want to spend some money onto that. And, you know, now we know a little bit about the forces of a red dot. Um, let's talk, let's talk about the fun stuff, the, the scopes, because that's where we've got all kinds of, of forces going on. Plus, let's face it, if we're putting the scope on, we're going for maximum, maximum accuracy off mm-hmm. of that. Um, now you have, two lines of scopes and once i get uh figure out how to use a mouse here i'll bring it up um you have the brush line and the hard line of scopes now yeah tell me a little what's the difference between a brush line and a hard line so at, the, at a high level brush line is more oriented towards the hunting community and hard line would be more oriented towards your uh range shooters uh your PRS shooters, home defense, your more of your tactical side. That's that's the easy way to delineate between the two. And you can really see from the graphics there that kind of kind of represents that. To my hard line, I I would want to put a hard line on my three gun uh, rifle rather than on you know if I'm looking at that you know yeah. my three gun ri- rifle is going to be a hard line. Whereas when I go out uh, when I go out hunting, it's going to be a brush line. Yep. So there's any number of, you know, the features on the, on the scopes, whether they're capped or not, zero reset, uh, you know, things like that, that vary between the two, you know, you're going to find the brush lines have capped turrets because you don't want to be bumping your turrets uh, and adjustments out in the field. Uh, Whereas, you know, the hard line might have some, Exposed turret options, taller turrets, resettable zeros, things like that. Um, so really with 58 different SKUs between the two lines, um, you know, there's there's a whole uh, mix of, of all the different features by SKU. Um, so it's, uh, it's a pretty broad lineup. I think there's there's something in there for almost everybody. And, yeah, um, you know, we, I mean, just here, you, you're going to have a different, you know, if you have one scope with every single one of these, I mean, with every single one of the, um, the reticles, yeah. I mean, that's going to add up, that's going to add up quick and then multiply that by, okay, now we want it, you know, this magnification to this magnification. Well, now we want this magnification that will add up really quick. Yeah. Yeah. We've got everything from your standard, uh, a couple different three to nines, all the way up to uh, some six to 24s with uh, exposed turrets, illuminated reticles for the long range stuff. Um, I, I really like our BDC, caliber specific BDC reticles. So back up to the top there, you see that. So those reticles are calibrated and designed specifically for kind of the typical chambering uh, in each caliber. So um, this one's a 308. The 308. So all you have to do is zero that. And then there's the 
the subcategories there yep. uh, will tell you you know what you can expect. You still want if you're if you're loading your own rounds or you're you're changing between different brands and stuff. You still want to check all that because um, it's all tied to kind of your your the most common or typical. It's yeah, it's kind of like an you're kind of doing like a weighted average on those yeah. on those yeah For sure. So, but and, um, some great calibers uh, with those BDC reticles, the 308, 223, uh, 6.5 Creed, 300 Blackout. Um, there's a muzzle loader in there. Several different options. Yeah, it's it's funny. We don't. I, I laugh because we just don't think muzzle loader and optics, right? I mean, it's just. But I mean, no. muzzle loaders. Muzzle loaders now are nowhere near where they used to be. I mean, no, and, and I, from, you know, you mentioned earlier, I'm a hunter uh, and I'm on the West coast. So I'm a Western hunter, a lot of long range, you know, you're out beating the brush, things like that yeah. uh, versus say a Midwest whitetail hunter who, you know, might be looking over their food plot and it's, it's different, it, but it's, we've got something for everybody, honestly. It, it's different because you know you, you talk about that when when I grew up I grew up in Pennsylvania you know I I, I when I learned how to hunt it was in the Poconos a hundred yard shot was a long shot for us mm -hmm. um, number one because there's about a billion trees and number two because at one hundred one yards is typically a house um, you know it's just it's a denser population when we moved to Montana and I started hearing people take elk at seven hundred yards I'm like oh, yeah. Uh, like, man, that's a lot of walking <laughs> just just to, just to get to just to get to your animal, um, and hopefully it doesn't you know hopefully you get a good clean shot. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I start scratching my head and going, man, why would you why would you shoot something at seven hundred yards? And it's like because that's what it is out here. Yeah, there's I hunt in Eastern Oregon quite a bit, and there's some big canyons, no no different than what you you have up there. It's it's seven hundred yards just across the canyon, just yeah. the other side. So. Yeah, it's 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 funny because I you know I think um, you know I think about some of the people I hear. I mean I I I, did, I stopped hunting a long time. Well, when I was a kid, I stopped hunting. But you know I I hear about uh, people I know like out here in Montana. You can get a you, you know you get a sheep tag, and mm. um, you know I know someone who got a sheep tag, got his, his bighorn sheep at the last day uh, because he was rethinking some shots. He had a couple of other shots where his buddy was doing a spotting for him. It's like, do you really, do you really want to take that shot at this distance in this terrain? And, you know, they rethought it. And then finally they're at the last day, like at midnight, their last day, they finally got back to camp from dragging this thing out. Uh, because it was a long shot. <laughs> yeah. But when it's all said and done, that's what Huntsville yeah. kind of made of, right? Those stories yep. will exist forever. So, yeah, it's, so, uh, I drew one of my, my elk tags a couple years ago. It took 18 years. So it's a more of a trophy unit. And one of the guys down the road that was camped, he shot a, he shot his 460 bull at uh, just shy of 800 yards. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, 2,000 foot canyons. So it's. What, what was he shooting? What caliber? Uh, 7mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I was about to say, because you're starting to. Because you're rethinking, like, I mean, you're you're not going to. If you're shooting a 308, a 700 yard shot, you're you're rethinking that, right? I mean, you're yeah. thinking oh, you're thinking sure. through your ballistics, and then you're thinking about you know the the terminal energy at the other end at the end of that, you know, a 700 yard a uh, 700 yard, you're kind of with a 308, you're kind of arcing that one in, oh, yeah. um, and then that's why I was thinking it had to have been a mag that he was running with, yeah. And then you know, there's a lot of guys that talk about shooting those distances with like a you know a 308 or something like that and you, know, you start to you start to question is that the right is that the right hunt to be on with that gun um well you start thinking i mean there are some there's ethical things you need to start thinking exactly. of at that point right yeah. um you know it you know you need to you need to have the you know like we were talking about the red dots you need to have the right equipment for the right yeah. purpose um yeah it, uh, the you know, I love 308. It's great caliber. Um, it its weakness is its distance, right? right? I mean, you start, you know, you start thinking, you know, out here in Montana, they start shooting, you know, the, a typical gun's either um, a 300 wind mag or mm -hmm. seven millimeter mag. Um, and um, I, you know, a buddy of mine, I was shooting his uh, seven millimeter mag at the range one time because I'd never shot one before. Um, forgot to mute my phone. Um, you know, I, I started thinking, you know, I, I was like, I never shot it before. I squeezed that trigger once. He's like, Hey, let's shoot another. I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> that, that, that one hurt. Uh, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. My, my favorite is the 338 wind mag. That's, that's my elk. That's my elk gun. Yeah. That's a, that's a reach out and get you gun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think in that, I probably wouldn't hesitate too much on a 600 yard shot, but beyond that, I'd be, I'd still be rethinking so, it. So, so on that gun, what, what scope do you put on there? I mean, obviously it's going to be one of your scopes, but I mean, what, what was your thought process when you put the glass on that? Um, when I put the glass, it was really, you know, focused on that three to three to 600 yard range. So something I could dial in there, uh, resettable turrets, uh, so I can zero it. I, I I know my dope. I can go back to zero because, you know, on the hike out to those canyons, you're hiking through old growth timber and dense brush, and you could easily stumble across a, a bull there as much as you would down in the canyon. So your shot might be 50 yards. It might be. 600 yards on that particular day. You just don't know. So I like to be able to cover my bases there. So I, I tend to find something that kind of sits in the middle. Yeah. And yeah, you know, you're getting the most amount of versatility out of what terrain you're going to shoot in. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're you're not going to you're not you're not taking a scope that you would shoot PRS with at a thousand yards to go out and do your do your elk no. hunting. No, you you have all the other features you have to consider too: the weight, the uh, how tall the turrets are, and how bulky it makes it, and 
know, that kind of thing. So um, there's a there's a lot of variables there. And it takes sometimes yeah. it just takes the experience and the practice, right? You get out, you find you don't like something, you might change it up the next year until you say something. Yeah, it's funny because there's a lot of there's a lot that goes into um, you know working up a hunting rifle. I mean, a hunting rifle is okay. You know, I'm going to grab a rifle, put a put put a scope on it, and it's just going to work. It doesn't work that way. You need to you need to work with that. You need to build almost like a relationship with that gun. Yep. And know how it shoots. Knows how how it shoots um, in wind. Right. Because, I mean, let's face it, we go to the range. It's a nice, calm day. It's not necessarily our hunting conditions. Um, yeah. And you're not necessarily, you know, you're shooting across canyon and things like that. You, you're not necessarily measuring and able to identify what the wind factor might be yep. on some of those shots. But you're right. It is a trust factor. And it's the practice and the experience that that establishes that trust. I've got a number of number of guns i don't i don't have to shoot before i go out i can grab those things and know they're on and i would have no problem you know having a buddy call me up and say hey let's go out today just grab it and run out to the woods but there's there's also plenty in the safe that i would want i just well, don't have that trust those, in or don't have the time with them yeah yeah those those guns that you have the trust with you have the time behind it yep. you just know Absolutely. right you just you just know that this is what this thing's going to do, um, and that's the thing. Like I know some of the some of my buddies here in Montana, uh, going through you know 2019, 2020, 2021. We all know what happened with ammo during those years. Mm-hmm. That he could not get his the exact bullet of you know that he hunts with. Yeah, and it's like. Damn it! I need to now get. I now the gun that I've hunted with for for years that I know what the, it it'll do. I now got to run a bunch of ammo through before hunting to relearn the rifle with now with a new weight of bullet. And yeah, so you get that. You know, he had to relearn his rifle. Um, and then when it, when ammo became available, he you know re, he recalibrated his scope. And now it's back to where it was. But yeah, it's you, you build up that relationship with the gun, and you just have that trust factor. Yeah, and I'm a uh, I'm an off the shelf ammo guy for my hunting guns. I'm I'm just crossing the line to get interested in reloading myself. But uh, you know, the philosophy there coming out of these shortages is if you come across it, why not buy your 500 rounds of whatever you're yeah. you're set with. And that's in the hunting world that could be a lifetime's worth of ammo for that particular gun. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. That way you definitely. Have it. definitely. It, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people learned a couple of lessons. It's like, it's one of those things of, we know we should do it. It's just, sometimes we just don't do it. And then some people learned the hard way of, well, when this is done, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I stock up next time. Yeah. So I don't run into this problem. Yeah. Well, just like getting back to the hunting, it's all in preparation and practice and and all that and thinking about all those various scenarios and preparing for them. Yeah, absolutely. Because you just, 
you just need you just need some time behind things. Um, I'm going to bring up the last tab that I want to talk about off of your uh, your website. And it's funny is I just this is just something that it makes sense to me mm-hmm. that you guys would go into considering the you know the origins of Crimson Trace. Uh, flashlights was just something that I didn't really think of as Crimson Trace. Talk to me a little bit about um, going into the tactical lights. Yeah, so uh, we've had we've had laser and light combos for a while. So we've came out with our Railmaster Pros, uh, the CMR 204, 205. Um, had those out for a while, but breaking off into a lighting scenario, lighting only scenario was um, particularly came about with folks who are using red dots. They're using all these other optics choices and they still need lighting. They still need illumination to be able to identify their target. So, um, and again, there's a plethora of different firearms and platforms and all that. So we've been building that portfolio over time. So. We started, um, call it the easy way, took a, a handheld flashlight, turned it into a, a tactical light with a mount, our CWL series that's been out for a while. Uh, fits either pick or uh, uh, M-Lock. And uh, it's really, really kind of, it's kind of plain Jane, but it's it's a great little light. I I actually use it more around the house as a, as a flashlight than anything. But, um, <laughs> You know, we're continuing to expand on that, that angled foregrip plate, the rig, the rapid illumination grip uh, has been something we've been after for a while. Um, finding that right balance of weight and bulk and angle on the grip and everything is, you know, we've toyed with for a while and came out with a great light. It's rechargeable, external battery door, throw an extra one in the safe charging while you're using using one um it's it's a fantastic little light the uh the light guards for the various pistols i think we've got seven or eight of them that fit you know some of the popular concealed carry type platforms that are out there uh, and there's there's more to come we we continue to to invest time in this this space too because I mean, that's the thing is, uh, I was, it, it's so funny. I was never a red dot person, right? I, I just, I was like, iron sights, iron sights, iron sights. And then I just showed you five red dots, right? <laughs> so it's like, well, why would you ever carry a flashlight? I was like, I don't understand these people carry flashlight. I carry a flashlight. Um, I, the knife thing was never a big deal for me because I've been carrying, you know, I've been carrying a knife since, gosh. Probably I was 10 years old. I had the uh, the Buck Ranger, um, which I think you know everybody knows that 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 knife. It's like the most popular knife Buck ever came out with. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you know I, I I went into other knives and you know, I was finally looking at a shelf full of, of knives. Um, and uh, but yeah, it, it, it's so funny how when things come out, I'm just like I don't know, man. I, I I'm just kind of a traditionalist, and then then time just proves that I'm not really a traditionalist. I just want to see everybody else do it first, right? Yeah. That's, I mean, I think that's kind of human nature to a degree. 
And, yeah, it's and, uh, it's really about being well-rounded. So and, and offering whatever the the solution is that somebody might need for us, whether it's a light, maybe they are an iron only kind of person. They still might need to identify their target. That would be a good thing. So yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a whole, kind of a very sense there. Yeah, uh, very important thing to do. <laughs> it is very important. It gets you a lot in a lot of trouble otherwise. Um, yes. But um, you know, you mentioned the the pocket knives and knives. It's it's about preparedness. About um, there's a convenience factor there for sure. If you're, I mean, you could get your Amazon delivery and need to open a package or something, or you know, you drop something under your desk and it's dark down there, so you've got a flashlight. Um, yep. No matter what it it might be, I have. I had an I had an instance once at um, I think it was Lowe's right and and I'm sitting there and like they they had to pull a pallet down because what I wanted was it was in a pallet up above they didn't have any down on the shelf and then they were like looking around for a knife right to go cut this thing <laughs> and then when they, when they came back they had, there's this pallet sitting in the aisle and this guy's looking around for a knife and I'm just like when he came back the pallet was already cut open. And one unit was gone because I was already at the register with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to wait around for you guys to find a knife. And I realized that Lowe's does not want me to do that. But I'm like, my, my time's worth money. I've got a knife right here. Yeah. I'm just going to solve this problem. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it, there is something there is something to be said about that, you know, being prepared for whatever it is. I like the idea with your flashlights because a lot of our flashlights that we have on things, that are rechargeable, if the rechargeable batteries built into it, well, that's really great until you need to change it out, right? Like, um, you know, night night shoot competition is is a thing. So, mm -hmm. at, at that point, you know, if your flashlight goes down at a night shoot competition, you're done. You you know, and we go back to the whole: you can't identify your target, you can't shoot it. It'd be really nice to have a spare battery. You just pop right in and just yeah. keep on going. Yeah, so the rig, that's exactly why we offer a second battery with it. It's a, it's a, a unique rechargeable battery, so you can't just walk into Walgreens and pick one up necessarily. Yeah. Um, however, on the other side, we've got the rail light that you had on that on the screen. It was the one on the, the far right, uh, which is new. That's also a rechargeable battery, um, externally replaceable. Uh, you can throw other batteries, uh, other form factors in as a uh, as a backup, the CR123s and things like that. So, uh, so that's the 301. That's a rail master light and laser combo. Another fantastic one. Um, but if you go to the lights, it was the rail. It's we call it the rail light. Might have been down one. It should also show up under new products if you click. Okay. New. Uh, there it was. Uh, keep scrolling. You can scroll down. Right there on the right. Ah, uh, that one. Really? Another thing it looks like it came right out of Halo. Yeah. <laughs> So again, playing off that rechargeable theme, 
Uh, you can get spare batteries for these. I actually have one of those like eight port USB chargers uh, yep. in, in my safe with a bunch of cords plugged in. And I, I've got a slew of batteries that are just sitting there on charge uh, while the primary's in the firearm uh, in use. So I can swap them out easy. I've taken them to ranges. Uh, I just take a bunch, plug them into the cigarette lighter, you know, USB port on the, in the car, charge the extras up while I'm there. Um, That's the greatest thing about USB. USB yeah. has standardized so much stuff. Yeah. And these, you know, the batteries in here, they've got the charge ports actually built into the battery cell. So you just plug the okay. USB straight into the battery cell itself. So that's a lot like um, uh, the the lithium ion for the Caldwell um, yep. hearing protection for the headset. That's why I'm looking at the new one that I've got over there. Um, yeah, because that's the greatest thing. You just plug it in, just let it sit, and then yeah. um, I can run you know triple A's on that headset while that thing's charging if I needed to. Yep, that's awesome. Yeah. So the real light right there is a great one it's a thousand lumen output so it's uh it it's it, it gets put out some, some light for you <laughs> um lumens and light output is always a uh, an argument a great discussion yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's always an argument yep yeah you know big numbers are always better right so right um it must be the best out there, the highest number you can get. Um, I don't personally, we, I don't believe that's the case. We, um, you know, we certainly see what goes on in the market and what consumers are looking for. But uh, ultimately, uh, there's, there's a number of schools of thought. I've heard everything from you don't, you know, the higher output, you go into a dark room, you're going to blind yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've also heard some in law enforcement say they don't care because they want to blind the bad guy too. Yeah. So uh, well, it's, you know, it, it, the thing you can do, you know, if you, you're going to be, put, be putting your flashlight on, um, you know, when you're going to hit that button, you can still close an eye and save one eye for your night vision. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, whereas the bad guy has no idea what's coming, and then suddenly they're blind. Yeah, you're so. in control at that point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But you know, it depends on the use case, personal preferences. Again, um, as far as that goes, it's you know, out out in the uh, the industry, it's a numbers game. Who can right. who can have the biggest baddest number out there? Uh, yeah. So it's yeah, I. I want I want to fully light a tree from a thousand yards away from this little pocket flashlight. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, and then I want to see every bug that's, out there in the field while I'm doing. Probably going to sit on your shelf for five years. Yeah. Uh, pr probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's awesome. It, it's nice to see. Um, it's nice to see the the progression of Crimson Trace going from you know lasers all the way through you know you know red dots optics and then into lights it's it's cool to see that we're now we now have this kind of you know holistic view of of shooting coming out of, out of crimson trace 
Yeah, I, I characterize it as a complete optics company. So it, um, again, you'd like to be able to do it all at once. That's not realistic, but um, it's a progression. So it takes some time and you can see that expansion occurring um, like you've been talking about. And, and there's there's uh, some some ups, ups and downs in that process too. So you go down one path and maybe it's not exactly the right product and uh you have to make a little pivot there so that that happens at times as well yeah but, so so where can people get crimson trace products i mean they can buy it from you but they also have you also have a lot of places like you know i was a an independent gun dealer you can buy them there but if they want to get all this information they can get it right from your website correct yeah so the most comprehensive place for to go for all of our products is our website um, and you can, you can look at the specs, you can see what the offerings are. You can browse the whole portfolio, uh, in all those categories. And I would throw in a fifth category that, uh, that we hadn't talked, touched on is, uh, range finding. Yeah. It's funny. I was, I was debating or I was debating on bringing that up. Um, let me get, cause that is under, I think accessories. Um, yeah. So I'll bring it up cause the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> um, it's, uh, we're right on the cusp. So the range finding binoculars are currently available, um, and they're out there. Uh, the range finders, the handheld range finders are not quite available. We're still waiting for those to arrive. So right here's uh, the binoculars. These, these right binoculars. I'll spend the time talking about those uh, since the LRFs are not here yet. These things are fantastic. Um, for, for the price point, you get a, a set of binos that have great light transmission. Uh, the What you can see in lower light conditions is phenomenal. The ranging is great. They're advertised as, as 2K uh range finding i've exceeded that out in the field you know here and there it just depends on the on the reflective conditions and everything right there but they yeah. can it's certainly capable of of exceeding that in the right the right scenarios um they're lightweight they're fully over molded so you know you set these down on the rim rock you yeah, roll them out of your pack step on them whatever might happen you know they're they've got some armor on them this rubberized armor. Um, and one of the other great features is when you're the reticle. So there's an auto illumination setting. So it's going to adjust to your ambient light. So it's not oh, overpowering cool. when you when you throw the ranging on there. Um, or there's there's settings also. So the nice thing about our programming is when you're in the menu, it's a one button to go back to ranging. You don't have to exit the menu and take that time. You just hit the ranging button again and it goes right back to ranging. That's awesome. Cause that's, yeah. that's the thing is, you know, I, I was thinking about, um, I'll bring this up. Uh -oh. this, this is what you were alluding to earlier that is not quite out yet. Um, right. Those are still, still on the way. Still on the way. Um, but it's kind of nice thinking about the the ranging of that because 
you were, you know, earlier we were talking about, you know, you having the, the dope on your rifle you, as you're working through this stuff. Okay. I need a range finding. And then that's the one thing I like about binoculars having range finding over, um, you know, the monoculars is mm-hmm. I still got a pair of binoculars at the end of it. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, what hunter does not have a pair of binoculars? Exactly. You know? Exactly. I mean, even you can run these things one-handed. You can throw them up while you're walking through the woods or sitting there spotting. Um, it's you got the best of both worlds. You don't have a separate rangefinder and have to fumble around with that. Yeah, because I mean, let's face it. When we're going out, when, when we're going out in the field, we want to have the least amount of stuff to carry, right? right. Um, you know, things that go that do double duty are very much needed because I don't want a 70 pound pack on my back. Exactly. So that's, we really think it's going to help the hunter out. Um, you know, there's certainly other offerings out there uh, in this. You're, you're likely opening your wallet up a little more for those, uh, yeah. which, is, which is a benefit to ours. But I've had these on a couple elk hunts now, a uh, couple camping trips, you know, just playing around with them out in the field and and using them. So I love them. They're they're my go-to from now on. So. That's awesome. That's yeah. that's so cool. I mean, it's just the whole progression, like we were talking about earlier, is just it's just absolutely amazing what's happening at Crimson Trace. Um, you know, when I did the you know, when I started going into the red dots and, you know, I, I, I really bit hard on the Crimson Trace because I like them. They just work. They, you know, I've tested them. I beat them. I drop them. A lot of people, um, you know, in my day job, they used to ask me, like, what case I would put on my iPad. And I'm like, oh, I run, you know, the Otter Box, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, why? They're like, oh, we want to know what to get our kid because they got a little kid. And they, because everyone knows I'm so hard on my gear. Hmm. Um, they, they're like, oh, if it lasts through Jason, it's going to last through my kid. <laughs> um, and it's great to see, you know, th- the product line mature and stay, um, I want I want to say stable, but not stable, but, you know, um, stout enough that it's going to take a little bit of abuse and do what we needed to do when we're outside. Because let's face it, you're, your products are really designed for you being used on that side of the wall, not this side of the wall, right? And and on that side of the wall, we have things like humidity, high temperature, low temperature, uh, snow, rain, sleet, everything. Um, a product's got to got to perform through all of that, and that's where um, that's where we want to make sure that we're buying good quality products. And that's what I love about Crimson Trace. I've always trusted. The lasers, and I have no problems trusting any future products you come out with, because I've had success with lasers. I've had success with red dots. Uh, it just I, I've come to trust the products. I love to hear that. Um, I certainly believe it as well. Uh, I know, you know, I've had an opportunity to see behind the scenes and described it a little bit about what these products go through, you know, in the development cycle, um, and we really really work to, to have the best product out there. Um, on the flip side, I would also say things happen, right? So, well, 
And anything with manufacturing, there's a de there's yep. eventually a defect, right? I mean, you can have it doesn't matter whether it's Smith and Wesson, Sig, uh, Ruger, name a gun company that has a reliable gun. You know, take their most reliable gun. There's a certain amount of defect. Uh, there's a certain amount of defects. That it just that's that's manufacturing. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, uh, last week on the podcast, I had pristine actions on, and they were talking about, you know, tolerances of of actions can change just depending on how hot it is that day, with the humidity of that day. Even though they're building the exact same action over and over again. There are other variables that you just can't control that right. you need to make up for. Yeah, and the sign for me, you know, as far as uh, establishing trust with folks is in those scenarios where something's different, something changes, some unforeseen circumstance occurs, we back that up. So we've got our lifetime warranties in place. We've got a great customer service group that uh, love loves to chat with with customers um even if they're having a bad situation to deal with or somebody's having a bad day they love talking to customers um and they're they're there to to help people out we get a lot of comments on our social media platforms and we've got somebody you know responding to those all the time uh helping people out so um i mean that customer service is a huge thing i mean i've had products where um I've been testing, you know, I've tested a product and when I, I, I had a problem and when I open up the support ticket, I have, I have, I have more email addresses because I'm a, I'm a computer geek in my real life. Uh, I've got more email addresses I can bounce things off of. I never open up a support ticket using the account for my content creation because I don't want them to lead on. Yeah. You know, I don't want them to, someone to put two and two together and go, this is a content creator. I want to actually, if I have a problem, I'm actually going to test your customer service. And um, it's been, it's been kind of fun doing that because then you can really see a little bit under the hood of what this company is like. Yeah. Yeah. It's something, you know, it was foundational in the startup of Crimson Trace and it continues to this day. That's, that's awesome to hear. Now we've been rolling a little over uh, an hour and sixteen minutes, so we'll uh, we'll start wrapping up. And what I'd like to do at the end is I like to do a speed round. So it's going to be four this or that questions, and then okay. one thinking question. And the thinking question does kind of stump some people. Sometimes they spit <laughs> it right out. Uh, so four rifle, three hundred eight, or six five Creedmoor. Three hundred eight. Well, that's. That's funny. You're, uh, a lot of people go to the 6.5. I, I like the 3. .0. I'm sure they do. Uh, yeah, I, um, yeah, the the 3.08 is such a classic, tried and true round. It's Everybody's you know, it's, got it. Um, everybody's got it. It's always available. It's always um, available. Um, you know, I'm a big game hunter. I have I have some pretty serious reservations on, you know, a 6.5 for the hunting type of hunting I do, even some of the deer. So, um, you know, I, I think it's six five is a little more of a competition round than a hunting round. For sure. Yeah. I mean, yes, yes, it shoots flatter a little bit longer, but, um, you just don't have that, that, um, 
the terminal impact right. of the round to the yep. 308 dogs. Yeah, and Coyote the, hunting you know, all day long. Uh, I six five would be fun, but yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd take the 308. So for pistol, nine mm. millimeter or 45? 45. I love okay. I love the mass. I, I I think it's just the size that goes like, <laughs> but it's forty five is too much of a classic. I, I mean, you, you really it's can't. It's more beat, American than a forty five, right? Yeah, you can't beat the old school heavy metal nineteen eleven and a forty five. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's funny is, um, I I was never a forty five person until really older in life. And I just, I just love it. It's just, it, it, it's great. And, you know, people get into these arguments of capacity versus, you know, you know, takedown power, you know, shot placement and stuff like that. But even just shooting a 45, there's just something about it, right? I mean, it's this yeah. big, slow bullet. that's just going to dump a lot of energy at the other end of it. Yep. yep. That's awesome. So for hearing protection, earmuffs. Or earplugs. Oh boy, that's not as easy to answer as the uh, first two. Um, no. I, I would say earmuffs. I've just had more success with them, honestly. Uh, whether it's a fit or um, the technology, I, I just uh, uh, it's easier, more reliable. I think. Now, the one area I haven't explored is the molded in-ear. Um, so I just started I just started playing with that. I have a pair of molded molded in-ear electronic. Mm -hmm. You see how much stuff I can put into that. Um, <laughs> and, and for me, I have like a little bit of hearing loss. And um, this this particular company, they're, they're, they're super expensive, but they're really nice, um, was started by an audiologist. So mm -hmm. an actual hearing doctor. And the circuitry in it is some of the circuitry that's in hearing aids. So they took my hearing test and actually programmed my hearing protection mm -hmm. for my specific hearing loss. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, um, molded in-ear, I'm starting to like the molded in-ear. I had molded in-ear when I was a kid and I didn't like it, um, mostly because, you know, I, I got those when I was 10. And then at 10 and a half, I had already outgrown them because I was growing like a weed. Mm -hmm. um, but as an adult, uh, I'm really starting to like molded in here. Um, I just think they're a little more comfortable. Uh, depending on the situation, I may also run both, uh, especially in indoor ranges yeah. or um, range day at shot when you get up in the rifles, the, it, the ceiling's really low and you've got everybody and your brother shooting large caliber. Yeah. Um, you get, get a headache really quick. Yeah, we with the amount of shooting we've done, you know, through testing, development, events, whatever. I I usually double up and run, yeah. you know, the little foamies with uh, with muffs. So. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, it, fortunately for me, I'm catching my hearing loss early. But let's face it, when I was a kid, yeah, I was still trying to figure out how I lived through my childhood. But um, <laughs> Uh, I did, and I, I think I'm paying for it every day. <laughs> that that la you know, that that latchkey generation. Yeah, you know, we just we just did whatever we wanted. And we just, yeah, we were gonna live for we were gonna live forever. <laughs> yep. So, 
for rifle, how about bolt action versus lever action? Oh, man, another tough one. So my first my first rifle ever was, you know, the old classic Marlin 3030. My, my first rifle was a Winchester 94. So exactly. Yeah. We, so we I bought that on my own. Rifle. I had to kind of keep it on the down low. My parents weren't, weren't good people. So I moved out of the house, went to school. And uh, that's the first thing I did was head down to the sporting goods store and picked up a, a deer rifle. Being a college kid, I had to give that up, traded it in. One of the few guns I've ever given up, uh, traded it in for a Rem 700 uh, bolt in 270. <clears throat> but years later, I went back and had to have that Marlin 3030, that classic gun back. Um, Uh, it's a tough can, one, but I, you, I'd have to go lever action just for you the can classic. see right there on the wall. Um, that's a actually I just picked that one up a couple of weeks ago. That's a that's a Winchester Model ninety four. Serial number is from nineteen twenty six. Wow. Um, and my first rifle, so, uh, mine was a little bit different. Uh, I grew up with I grew up in a family of guns. Uh, when I was 10, I got my first uh, rifle, which is I still have today, which is my Winchester 94 and 3030. There's just there's there's just something about that first gun that is just stays with you, you know. It's, it, it does absolutely, hundred percent agree with that. So. so for the last question, which is our thinking question, I'm going to take you into the world's largest warehouse. And inside this warehouse has one of anything that has ever thrown a projectile, anything from Dennis the Menace's slingshot all the way up to the deck gun on the Missouri. If it has ever shot a projectile, any projectile, it's in here, whether it was production, testing, or anything. And you're going to take, you can have one. And you're going to take it home, and it's already been approved by any government agency that needs that needs approval. It's yours. What are you walking off with? Pretty sure I'm going to surprise you with this one. Okay. I'm going to say Walther PPK. Oh, nice, nice. That's a that's a I, I respect that. Um, when I was a kid, that's all I wanted with was James Bond's gun. Everybody uh, wants uh, every dude wants to be James Bond. James Bond. Yep. Um, no, I, I I can respect that. That was a great um that was a great, great pistol. Um I I as an adult, my father had one and after he passed away, I had it. Um I had been, I, I regret doing it, especially since my wife wants one. Um she's she loves the Walter PPK. Um but the problem I had was with my big paws, it was leaving rail marks. Um, oh, yeah. So it wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't fun for me to shoot, but <laughs> man, I really wish I had that gun back. Cause that is, this is a great gun. It is. It's a fun one. So. Awesome. Well, man, Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. And it was great having you on. And uh, I really appreciate you taking time to, to talk to us about Crimson Trace and all the offerings you have. 
no, this was this was great. This was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, and uh, maybe someday uh, I'll get an invite back. And you know, really you all you need to do is just drop me a line. I mean, we can talk. <laughs> we can talk anything you want. If you want to just talk rifles, we will get on here and just talk rifles. We want to talk pistols, whatever. Right. You can just drop me a line. You know how to get a hold of me. Just drop me a line. We'll get we'll get you into the schedule. Yeah. No, really, really appreciate having me on. Really enjoyed it, and. Uh, I love talking about the brand and Crimson Trace. Hopefully that came yeah, through. I, it, absolutely, and I do appreciate it because I like I like the brand. I, lo I love the, what you guys are doing. And um, and everybody in the audience, definitely go check out Crimson Trace. We will have all the links down below. So if you're driving home and uh, you're trying to figure out how to get the Crimson Trace, whether it's their website or their social media accounts, just get home nice and safe. And uh, come back to the podcast. We'll, we'll have the links down below. You can just click on them and go right over and learn more about Crimson Trace. Eric, man, you have a great evening. You too. Take care. I met Eric at SHOT, and I'm really happy that we could work him into the schedule because there was a time there that this week, well, it may have been up in the air, and he may or may not have been able to get here depending on a couple of things going on. But I'm really happy that we got him in. He's got a lot of knowledge about those products. He's been just about everywhere in that company. And I really do want to thank him for joining us. And guys, look, I really do like Crimson Trace products. I, I That was like the only lasers I would sell when I was in FFL. I really like the red dots. And, you know, I'm looking forward to maybe one day start playing with their optics. So go check out Crimson Trace. Now for the product of the podcast, it is the Timeless Outside the Waistband Holster. From my friends over at Falco. This is actually one of my EDC holsters, one of my newest EDC holsters. And I did a video on how to break in leather holsters using this one and my SIG P365XL. And you can see here, it is an optics cut. And yes, this firearm is unloaded. And you can see that that optics cut goes right around. And this thing just fits like a glove. Absolutely love it. And you can see right here, I've got my initials embossed right on the front. Love their products. Go check it out. I have a link down below. And if you're watching on YouTube, click that link right there. That is about the new jaws coming out for the real Avid Master Vice, which you can see back there. So go check that out for everybody else. The link is down below. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there. and look forward to talking to you again soon.